It's funny because your first episode was like the first song episode. Yeah. We hadn't had any songs before you. I loved <laughs> the song so much. I still haven't had a song. It's like there's rehearsals and I don't know when they're happening. It's our second most popular thing after Panda Talk. No, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first girlfriend turned into a homunculus. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where free writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is returning champion. I always say that whenever there's a returning guest, but whatever, I like it anyway. Returning champion, please welcome back to the show, YouTube essayist and video editor, Samuel Davis. Thank you so much. Ooh. I'm a champion of nothing. <laughs> Are you part lion? <laughs> <laughs> the lion is a noble animal in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Whatever this episode says about the Ruthless. Lion. It's all about survival of the fittest. This is a fitting speech. I know you can trust me. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Samuel Davis, heart of the lion. This is very funny because I watch your video so much that I'm just expecting you to be like, Matrix, give us another fact. <laughs> hey guys, who wants a fun Doctor Who fact? Just derail the conversation. My obsession with Doctor Who is well documented, but let's get going because this week's episode is Combined Strength. It was directed by Shuji Miyahara, who directed Death of the Undying, Homunculus, and one more after this. It was written by Michihiro Tsushihia, who wrote 15 total episodes, and this is his penultimate episode. So we're getting close to the end there. And let's get things started as we always do by doing our recap. This is the moment in the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21 second recap of this week's episode. And that person will be decided by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's our guest, Samuel. So let's roll the dice. And they have to do it in song. Woo! No, Why'd you say rolls? that? Cause it just, it rolled one, it's me. <laughs> Why did you say that? And three, two, one. Alphonse and Pride and, and Kimberly have a fight. Kimberly gets bitten. Pride eats Kimberly. They all run away thanks to Yoki. Meanwhile, Olivia and, uh, and Lu Alex are still fighting Slav, and that's all going on. And then Roy finds Ed in the downstairs basement. And that's it? Okay, that's it. You did it in 14 seconds. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Did I miss anything? Because that's why I don't go, because I'm too good at it. I mean, what did you miss? I mean, the lion guy came back from the dead. And I mean, there's like some like... I mentioned that. Oh. The mannequin soldiers start invading everywhere. That's I it, mean, really. I mean, we just sort of touched base with everything. It was about the action and the... Hmm. It's an Alphonse episode. Is it, though? Oh, we'll <laughs> Is it an there. Alphonse episode? We need to talk about the moral question in this episode and how bad it is. <laughs> A little bit of setup. <laughs> so last week's episode, Arthur wasn't here, but last week we talked about the moment where Alphonse decided it was okay to use Philosopher's Stone. And because Arthur wasn't here, he didn't really see our conversation about it, which was the justification Alphonse is given and accepts for using the Philosopher's Stone is flimsy at best and sweaty at worst. Like, it doesn't really connect for with sure. his character. And it comes across as something where you're like, you know, shouldn't have Alphonse been like, even if I agree with what you're saying, I still will not use the Philosopher's Stone because of my morals. And it just seems like they wanted to give him a Philosopher's Stone for this battle. And it really seems like they wanted to give Philosopher's Stone for this battle. Having seen the battle, it just seems like that's what they wanted to do. Yep, it was pretty cool. The justification was a little flimsy, especially coming from random Lion Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have a main character who's going through a big moral qualm, and then just a random guy who's like, don't worry, do it's it. okay. <laughs> because I, the Lion, know that you're a good person, really. 
<laughs> and he's like, you're right. <laughs> but Lion Man pulled his weight so hard this episode that it's like he was there from season one in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Like you're going to go back and you're going to see the lion was there when they did the transmutation. The <laughs> like, lion Man had such an incredible payoff this episode that you forget <laughs> that he wasn't set up ever. <laughs> <laughs> like Lion Man and Panaco at the old, it's like dancing around the fire in that weird cutscene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lions are a brilliant source of wisdom. But it feels like every time I come on this show, I have to be the contrarian devil's advocate. No, please, I... please. That's why I bring guests. Yeah. Exactly. I love the decision that Alphonse has to like deal with in this episode so much. I think more stories need to offer the protagonist. He needs to be given a perfectly reasonable way out. And I think more stories could benefit from doing that. The original goal of the series is right there, but it's incomparable to the finale staging, which means that even in our own narrative, the character has to grow up and step up. I can only think of stories like The Promised Neverland or Doctor Who that really do that. That's how you know that we're not doing some shonen shtick. We're not doing <laughs> conventional shonen tropes. He's not saying, forget my body, I need to save everyone. Like, he's being determined and selfish. But well, I just want to say, like, we don't take issue with the fact that he's using a Philosopher's Stone, I don't think. It makes sense that he would in this situation. The issue is that the way they're morally setting it up, it's a consequence-free use of the stone. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card on something that they've been setting up as a moral, you know, no-no zone. A no-no. You know what I mean? As a no-no. The trick was, is to do it with consequence, is to do it knowing full well that he's kind of breaking his own principles in order to win, which is a lot more meaningful, you know what I mean, in his character and what he's, you know, it, it would mean something. But right now, it just sort of felt like we want to have this happen, but we don't want you to think that Al is being compromised morally in any way. And I think that kind okay. of hurt damages how impactful that moment could have been, you know? I want to jump <laughs> on that and say, you can kind of see the writer realizing that as the fight happens, because they have Kimberly go, why don't you just use the stone to bring back your body? Because there's really no difference between using it to fight us and using it to bring back your bodies. First of all, where that was not a thing it's like they could have set that up but they didn't really set it up they had everything they needed to kind of set up that kind of attention and then they mentioned it like after the fact in a weird way and it was like i agree that that's a false <laughs> choice and i also agree that where this comes from is weird in the form of the lion guy what i do connect with is the philosophy of philosopher's stones itself because that is something that is evolving over the course of the show is the degree to which souls are people or not and whether they have wills or not, using those souls in a benevolent context is different from using it in a selfish context. But the problem the Eric brothers have with the stone is that it's being created by inherently human means. Right. I agree. And this, I guess, is the counter argument to that because it's like, we don't want to use a philosopher's stone because it's made of human souls and people are killed to make it and that's bad then the counter argument is the souls within a philosopher's stone are still people. And if you use them to perhaps save other people from having the same fate as those souls, then it's cool. It's cool now. If I may, counterpoints. I think it's a choice that feels like a false choice in a narrative. I think it really is as simple as Kimberly offering our main characters a way out. Just saying, you can cut and run. And I love the simplicity of that. And I love the unending 
optimism of Alphonse just saying, no, I'm going to do both and I don't care if it is selfish. And I think although the episode doesn't really emphasize or linger on it because we're in the middle of a fight scene, Alphonse isn't taking the moral high ground in this at all. He's not doing the shonen stock material. He's saying getting my body back really does matter to me still. I'm going to bring back a point Mike made. And I think oh. I finally have the perfect answer for it. If you <laughs> walked in and you saw a prepared veal on the table, would you just let it go to waste? And I feel like, and I feel no, like, I, mean, I don't want to be, <laughs> be rude. I don't have a problem with the usage. I have a problem with the conception. And I think that the stand Michelle is making is actually completely legitimate, like both morally and logically. The complication I add to that scenario is the veal looks up at you and says, please eat me. It's what I want. <laughs> In this metaphor, you're sitting there, you're about to eat the veal and a lion guy runs into the room. And yells yeah, at you. A random lion runs into the room and is like, don't worry, you can eat that. I can't talk to this veal, but I bet if I could, it would want you to eat it. <laughs> I'm part lion. <laughs> yeah. Don't you no, remember me right. from season one? <laughs> he thinks it's his series he thinks he's the main character it's his problem uh yeah you know what? i'm a fan of the lion's arc <laughs> <laughs> he like fully dies and then dr marco brings him back is that what happened yeah the budget has just gone through the roof uh mm -hmm. these past few episodes there's some really cool shots dr marco like clutching the stone looking all like haggard and cool as the smoke clears that was such a cool shot we need to talk about that fight choreography it's beautiful i think it's so amazing bold. how could you set a new precedent for battle animation in the opening acts of the finale that takes <clears throat> guts this fight really just uses stuff that we've seen before in a new light i love the bit where kimberly throws the rocks into the air and uses that to find alphonse that was like oh right of course he can do that that's great <clears throat> that's awesome and then kimberly gets chomped Oh, I know. Oh, that was great. Kimberly gets fully chomped. Super great moment. It's so moments. unceremonious. It's so unceremonious. He deserved that in every way. He deserved an unremarkable death, 100%. Mm. And he dies by his own philosophy. It's not quite I, I like that he gets chomped in a way where he can't talk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's fun. Because, because, he, because he, 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 he just won't shut up the whole yeah. show. That's why I you, like You him. love that about him. But like, I think it works. And just have pride standing over him being like, yeah, lion's teeth are pretty sharp, huh? And he's like, gurgle, gurgle. <laughs> so does that mean Pride has a Philosopher's Stone in him now? I don't, you know, is, it, is Pride like jacked right now? Like, is Pride... Pride, Pride is for sure a Philosopher's Stone already. Just, yeah. just, the, just the jack body and the little Pride head on top. <laughs> I mean, he's like, like two homunculi. He's two prime homunculi and a Kimberly with a Philosopher's Stone. That's a lot of yeah. stuff going on, right? Like, wild prediction. Pride, in the end, fucks everything up. Father's winning, and Pride eats Father, and then it causes everything to get fucked up. It is cool when villains betray other villains. That's always fun. What are you? Are you telling me that I'm right now? Are you saying that I'm right? <laughs> yeah. Mike was right about Hunheim. Mike no. was right. <laughs> anyway. Call back. Even I get that one. And I'm still kind of wondering why they call it a mistress, the wife of Xerxes. You know? Oh my God. Oh my Just God. get over that, please. I'm begging you. I'm <laughs> okay. telling you, I told you before, that is not a thing from the show. They don't care about that. Interesting little coincidence. 
<laughs> my favorite Kimberly line before he gets his throat ripped out is um why don't you flee with the philosopher's stone says a guy who sat in prison with one I for seven years <laughs> why doesn't he just flee at any time he's it's hypocritical to say the least yeah good point good point then yoki comes full circle Hits pride with his car. Rams a child, <laughs> full on. Yeah. He doesn't full know that. Sends a child soaring through the air with his car. That's my favorite bit in the episode. Lion Guy's like, good job, Yoki. And we're like, finally, Yoki has Lion Guy's respect. <laughs> We've got Ed fighting the Immortal Legion. And the like OP plays in the middle of the episode randomly. That made me feel like the episode was ending. It did feel like it was ending, but it was the OP instead of the end P. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that was It's not a dramatic moment or anything. It's actually the most inconsequential moment in the episode. So I guess they decided it needed some more flair. It's very strange. It was like a fight montage. So My it first was kind girlfriend of turned into a It's another episode of Full Metal Analyst. Welcome to oh. our show where three writers analyze each and it's every episode confusing. of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> I'm Michelle. Yeah, I'm, I'm Arthur. I, like no, why are we start? Oh, uh, you're starting the episode. It, you're doing the our op in the middle of our episode. Yes, I am. <laughs> Wackety schmackety schmoo. Oh, you trickster! That made me feel insecure <laughs> and scared. No. Yeah, and like, why? You know, why do that then? You know, it was just me talking. It wasn't even a big moment. Exactly. <laughs> it was kind of a cool cutting between the three fights because we have the three fights all happening simultaneously in this episode that was kind of a cool montage but it didn't feel super important from an ed perspective that's actually why i don't like the mannequin soldiers at all i mean they're of they're an obvious easy target but they just feel um superfluous because like you said there's already stuff happening everywhere there's plenty of smart natural confrontations between characters happening we don't need a gaggle of goons. They're an X-Factor. <laughs> an X-Factor gaggle of goons to bring everyone together. They illustrate the point of Colonel Mustang. Those soldiers are like, wait, who are these guys? You know what I mean? Like the soldiers that are left, if there are any left, this is the side you're on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you're on the side of monsters. But you could also have done that through Sloth. I think they're cool and creepy. But where they lack for me is that all the enemies in this show are such interesting minds. And then to introduce a mindless enemy is more boring. There's no escalation, you know? They add to the general oh shitness of the finale. It does feel like the world's ending. This episode is special because we have just begun season five, which means we have officially seen every single OP and ED that this show can offer. And as a result, I think it's time for us to do a ranking segment. Oh, I need Whoa. to, what? <laughs> <laughs> I need to see them all again, I think. So to get us started with the OPs, I'm going to give you guys my ranking because I thought a lot about this. Yes, me, the OP hater, thought a lot about this. So so take that into what? consideration before you just ignore. <laughs> you, you, don't you know I hate OPs? What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> he I hate them, OPs. Yeah. Disgusting. I don't have a strong opinion on them one way or the other, but he hates them. You know what? Hold on a second. We had a discussion about this on like episode 14, 15, and all of you try to gaslight me into accepting that it's okay that OPs lie because every single opening of every single show lies. And it's like, no, that's bullshit. And I know it's bullshit because the best opening of all time, also known as the Animaniacs opening, does not lie at any point. <laughs> Everything they say on that opening happens on the show. I just want to put that out there at the beginning. <laughs> I think I they know. should be accurate to the show. 
actually. Or at least symbolic. They should be accurate within... The context of what we're seeing? Yeah. How interesting. How interesting the exceptions Arthur opens for his show. It should be accurate. <laughs> In context. <laughs> well, all right, all right. All right. Here's my ranking of the OPs. And I just want to say, because I can feel people getting angry at me, I'm just exaggerating this for comedic purposes, okay? Please don't kill me online. Oh, God. <laughs> so on number one, we have Rain, season five. Every time you skip it, it skips to the, like that final ending note of the guy going, <laughs> The reason why that one is my number one is because it's very much a mood piece. Like, there's no rain in the central fight at all, and actually none of these characters are even remotely near each other, but it just works as a mood piece for the final season, you know? It's like... It's the best directed. And the song is actually my favorite. I like it as a song. Like, if I was listening to the radio, which I usually don't do, and that came on, I wouldn't be like, ugh. I'd be like, this is a good song. Second is Golden Time Lover. I'm a grump, and even I have to admit, Golden Time Lover is a fucking bop. It's so sick. <laughs> It's very frenetic, very exciting, so it's a really good like transition into the action. It's precisely why I hate it so much. <laughs> it is I, I honestly it is kind of fun. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> it was during the most like draggy part of the show that Golden Time Lover was heavily used. And also we took a lot of breaks in that time, so I feel like just the amount of times I've heard Golden Time Lover is way more than anything else. Third place for me has to be again. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Whatever that gets to that part where it's like... That part just loses me. I'm like, it just gets too <laughs> too much for me. And it's like, it gets into the whole OP of like, look at this cool fight that never happens in the show. I, I just don't like that shit. My heart uh, is going oh, haywire. You know what? No, I fully disagree with what you were saying before. I thought I agreed, but... Number four period which is season four i'm okay with this song but the reason i put it this low is because like nothing in it happens almost nothing in it happens in the show there's no al and pride fight in big thunder mountain the wrath and grief fight was not on the rooftop lon fawn was never in the same vicinity oh, as andy no. sloth didn't fight the bricks people <laughs> debunked oh this is so wrong <laughs> when i complain about peace being lies this is what i'm talking about this show does not exist also, <sighs> this song, it ends and then it goes on for another verse. Like, do, da, na, na, and I'm just like, just end on that first one. I think you exist to oppose me. I think you exist to oppose me. I really do. He <laughs> oh. exists to oppose us. <laughs> <laughs> Number five for me is Hologram season two. I just really hate the song. I have a gag reaction to Matito. I just, I hate it. The instant I hear that, I just want to die. The fights in it, it, it's everything I hate about anime OPs, where it's like, look at all these cool fights that never happened in the show, and it's never going to look as this good. It's all a complete lie. The song sucks. I don't like it. Those are my OPs. Oh, man. Anyway, wow. <laughs> me okay. next. First up, number one. <laughs> Hologram by opening two. Nico touches really? the walls. My favorite. Oh my, my god. Fucking favorite. <laughs> it is the most anime opening. Michelle wasn't wrong there. And it's a bit of one of those um let's show all the characters, you know? But I think it's too iconic and the action is too good to dismiss it. It doesn't do a lot of here's what these characters are going through at this point in the series. Here's where their heads are at, which is what Rain and Golden Time Lover are really good at. But then I put it on, and then when that final verse comes back in, I can't not love it. It's just perfect synergy. I probably have the most opinions on this. <laughs> These are all <laughs> high school adolescent anthems for me. <laughs> Anime opening's my bread and butter. Um, number two is Golden Time Lover. Because it's just... See, we agree on that. 
It's sick. It's probably the best directed. It looks gorgeous. Every single shot is just the characters being the coolest possible version they could be. And it's that point in the show where we're starting to look backwards into the past. A good opening should at least have a theme. Always. And Golden Time Lover really does. There were horrible sins committed in the past, and here's where all our players are at because of the Ishvalan War. That's sick. Mm. Uh, number three is again by Yui because the song's gorgeous. Wow, we actually agree on two. Wait, are you're going, you're going in ascending order. Are you saying, are you getting better or worse? These are getting slowly worse, but there okay, isn't, okay. <laughs> to restate, there isn't a bad opening. In right, there's not a bad one. Relevant. Right. No. no. In both series. <laughs> Ready, steady, go. Could pull one of these fucking things. Oh, no. Let's not do that. Four, it's rain. It's a very out of character song for this band. SID or Sid. They. <laughs> Look, I still love it. It's still a 9 out of 10. They're known for their very upbeat tracks. They did the first opening of Meiji, Labyrinth of Magic. And so this is the second I realized it was them. I was like, oh, okay. It's um one of those everyone is dead openings, which I really love. And Studio Bones <laughs> love doing them as well. Soul Eater has an ending where it's like, your favorite character's dead. Everyone's <laughs> hopelessly dead. But this one chooses to end with Ed peacefully on the bed next to winery it's a nice place to end it it's a hopeful little last note and last of all is a uh, period but it's still excellent chemistry a great band there's nothing more to say about all right <laughs> uh now that you guys are done being wrong it's uh my turn oh <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> that that is totally legitimate both of you legitimately wrong no okay, <laughs> number one is again i just think it's a really good song. It's got like ebbs and flows. It's got slow parts and fast parts. I think thematically it encompasses everything that my favorite part of the show, which is that first arc is thematically awesome. It's like poetic, it's beautiful. It's just the best one. Number two is period by chemistry because I just think it's the best song in my opinion. That's the one that gets me most excited for Fullmetal Alchemist. It's definitely like a fight anthem one, and I think the animation is pretty good. It's not as good as some of the other ones with that like blue and red crisscrossy thing. It's just very fun. It just gets me geared up. It is fun. It's a fight anthem, but it's also like really sad and bittersweet. It's like a really nostalgic part of the series. It's just sad. Yeah, it I find it a sad, fun opening. Number three is Golden Time Lover. I know that I've expressed some negative opinions about Golden Time Lover in the past. But that is mostly because I've heard it so many times and because it's so damn catchy, it has my respect <laughs> and it's well animated and cool. Number four is Hologram. It's like a pretty good song. It's pretty good animation. Doesn't have what the other ones have, but it's, it's not bad. Number five is Rain. I don't know, it, it's fine. It, it's fine. And that note at the end is <laughs> really grating to me. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's it. Mine's going to be really fast. Mine's going to be really fast. Okay. I like the first one. I don't know what it's called. I like it. I think it's really great and instructional, and it's very helpful to let you know what's going on, especially with a pilot that doesn't really do that. I really enjoyed that one. Like, it's the only one that I actually have any emotions on whatsoever. The rest are kind of forgettable to me. They're fine. I don't really think about it that much. So you it's can funny just... because the, the other ones are when he moved in, so that's well, when... Well, it might be because you're just skipping them when we watch them, but... I'm saving you the trouble. But honestly, like, I've watched sometimes on my own, and I don't hate them. I don't have Michelle's like, I hate this. And I do kind of like having them on because it gets me in the mood to be like, oh, fun, yeah, let's watch this thing. 
I actually didn't realize they were changing them out until you guys started talking about it more like halfway through. I was like, oh, it's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> like I stopped paying attention to that. I Chaotic just... <laughs> neutral. Mind oh, Michelle's polar opposite. Yeah. Like to me, it's like not really part of the show. You know, it, it's just extra stuff. You know. To me, they are the show, and then there happens to be a bit of plot on the end of it. <laughs> oh wow, that is a different way of thinking about this. <laughs> and now it's time for the ranking of the EDs, but that's going to be exclusive to the extended edition of this podcast, which is available only to Patreon subscribers. We like to keep our show short and to the point, and we also want to give our Patreon subscribers a little extra to thank them for their support. So if you want to listen to our ranking of the EDs, go on down to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fmanalysts. For just $2, you'll listen to the extended cut of this episode, and you get to listen to our ranking of the EDs. Mike! Yes? It might be a pain, but it's time for you to go out into the field and to take the bat and Mikey at the bat! Well, actually, I'm the fastest host, so I'm ready. This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens next week's episode using only the title and the thumbnail. I'm ready. Mike, will you please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, Flame of Vengeance? Ah, Flame of Vengeance and Colonel Mustard with his white glove ready oh. to snap is peering off to the side, kind of like he's going to burn a bitch. And I think he is. It's a bloodless coup. The idea, theoretically, is, you know, I guess shoot everybody in the leg. Don't shoot anybody, you know, like take over this thing. You know. So many people have already died. I think that's out the window. Well, I, th <laughs> I think he's doing his best to make it that way. But I think that the nice thing about these zombies is we can kill as many of them as we want and it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we can commit war crimes and they're not really war crimes because they're not really living beings. So it's fine. So I think they're they're here so that we can like watch the Svalans. Exactly. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like almost, how you said exactly. Mike. I almost like ran to agree with you and, and really just <laughs> please no, no. feel terrible. Save about yourself. It. <laughs> Save yourself. And now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm giving this one four point five. My main issues with it were mostly from last episode, how that whole moral thing was not answered. But mm -hmm. overall, it had great moments. It had great fun. My grade for this episode is, I think, a four. The past two episodes, I really liked a whole lot. This one had some really cool fights, but I thought the writing was just a little more clumsy than it was in the past two. And there are a few moments that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. But overall... A lot of fun, really great, very expensive looking. I'm going to give it four stars. Neither enthusiastic nor unenthusiastic. A solid four. I'm glad the panda was here. For 30 seconds. We didn't get a panda talk <laughs> no. this episode, which means we might get two in the next one. No. If the panda's on screen for 20 seconds, you cannot like justify it. a panda talk. Well, he, the he first was... one happened because he had, was on screen for 10 seconds. Like... Well, the... <laughs> I'll give it a five. I'm a positive man. All right. Um, <laughs> I've been really lucky to like book slots on two episodes that like come to mind when I think about Full Metal Workers Brotherhood. They mean a lot to me. I know nothing big happens in this one, but I wanted it because it's the big one that starts putting all the pieces in place. So it's great. Ed's Chimera party, they're in the thick of it. But we're starting to see the Mustangs and the Yokies and like even the Dr. Marcos file in 
and see, oh, they have a place in this finale. And now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analysts. So I'd like to take this moment to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much, Samuel. It's been a pleasure having you here. Absolute joy. We're going to be in something very soon, aren't we? We are. Please plug it away. I've been doing a series of commentaries recently where I go on a guest and they pick an episode of Who and we just shoot the shit. It's this, but for Doki Who. And that should be out uh, around the same time as this, right? Yeah, yeah, it should. Let's say yes. (laughs) And let's just in case, I don't know, just in case. (laughs) It's the year 2024. A race of lion men have taken over Earth. (laughs) (laughs) My channel is just my surname, D-A-V-I-S caps that's as far as my social media footprint should go i'm on twitter but truth trust me you don't want to see that i'm on lion twitter <laughs> samuel before you go can you please do your best full metal alchemist just like ninja stitchels full metal alchemist and if you don't want to be a lion whatever that means i honestly don't know don't forget to follow <laughs> us on twitter at fm analysts that's twitter.com slash fm the word analysts Subscribe yeah. to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. Yeah. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. And maybe lions. <laughs> We'd also yes. like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. Did you say Patreon? No. <laughs> That's right. You can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash FM, the word analysts. That's Rawr. FM analysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Goodbye. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. I love you, lion. Bye. Rawr. That was amazing.